This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Hi, my name is Taylor Tomlinson, and I feel braggadocious about being nice. Conan O'Brien's friend. Uh, try bragging about it, though. It's not going to Oh, get I have. Fun. Oh, you have? Oh, I have, yeah. I sent it to my sibling group chat this morning, oh, nice. which is very active, and my youngest sister wrote back in all caps, holy fucking shit, say hi to Sona for me, I love her so much, and Matt, my idols, and then in lowercase, love Conan too. Oh. <laughs> That was a body blow. That was a punch. <laughs> that was a punch to the solar plexus, and um, I wasn't prepared for it. So all the wind has gone out of me. Now. I liked it. Fall is here. Hear the yell. Back to school. Ring the bell. Brand new shoes. Walking blues. Climb the fence. Books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, I just spit some gum yeah. out of my mouth. How many I, sticks? I was, well, that's just it. I was chewing, um, how many? I think I put in three pieces. Right. Uh, Sona, you've observed over the years that I'm incapable of having just one stick of gum. But it's not even like, uh, it's, you have the pack in your hand. You take it, you wrap, uh, wrap it, you shove it in your mouth. Then you unwrap another one, you shove it in your mouth. Then you unwrap another one, you shove it in. And it's like, there's like five or six pieces in there sometimes. And you chew it for like five minutes and then you just spit it out. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Wow. Well, I thought you were going to say this was kind of endearing or there's a little trait Conan has, but I, you, this went, it got bad. I quickly. didn't mean to say it. it is. It is like when you were chewing right now, it, there is, it's nice that I know that you have so many sticks in your mouth. <laughs> that is nice. I have, there's something compulsive. I, I mean, I have a compulsive uh, 
nature in some ways and gum brings it out. If there's, you know, 20 pieces of gum in a pack, I, I want to get through them. It feels to me like a task. Why? Like I've got to get through these pieces of gum. You know, if it's the little kind of small rectangles, like the tridents, I'll get like four of those in my mouth and uh, be chewing them. And I feel like I've got to get this done. And then I've got to get on to the next ones. I, it, I kind of understand. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Really? I'm not happy about that. And yeah. you know what? I think I, I don't smoke, never smoked. But in movies, I'm always fascinated when people smoke because it speaks to me. And I think if I did smoke, I'd be one of those guys that smoked four packs a day. Mm. Chain smoke. I would just be, mm. I'd be lighting one cigarette, you know, getting through it and keeping my eye on the next cigarette. That's yeah. what I'd be doing. And, and uh, it would be, it's, it's a compulsion. I think it's, you know what, if it's gum, it's okay. I don't see anything wrong with it. It's just, uh, you, sometimes, sometimes you do things with a way of showing that you're like, uh, that you're almost punishing yourself. Well, no, I mean, it's the way I brush my teeth, too. Yeah, what? it's what you're just, me, you're really hard on yourself. When I brush my teeth, uh, I I scrape away I, with the toothbrush. I, I just go through toothbrushes really quickly because they practically catch fire from the friction <laughs> of me brushing my own teeth, which is why I switched to one of those electric toothbrushes because... You can't be as crazy. But when I'm, um, and it's the same way. I mean, I saw this, I grew up, my father's the same way. He washes his hands uh, like he's um, murdering his enemy, <laughs> his lifelong enemy. He washes his hands and he's squeezing. And if you could slip a piece of coal in between his hands while he's washing them, he'd crush it into a diamond like Superman. <laughs> oh you do that sometimes when you laugh really hard, you sit back and oh, you go. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, compressing. Yeah. And I used to think, what is that? People would say, are you nervous or something? And I go, no, it's extremes. If I'm extremely happy sometimes yeah. or pleased, I squeeze my hands together like I'm, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Oh. This is making me sad for myself. No, don't be sad. It's not like it, you you could be using it in very negative ways and you're not. Just because you brush your teeth too hard or you chew a lot of gum, that could be a lot worse. Have you seen me wash my face when I used to take the makeup off you know after what? the show? I've seen you put makeup on like if you had if we were on the road or something and you had to put some makeup on just to just to like even out your face, you were it's almost like I want to get this done so I can go on to the next thing. It's, you know what it is? It's all get this done so I can get to the grave. Oh, there it is. It really yes. is. Yes. It, I'm swear to God, it's all this attitude of I've got to just get this done. Yay, let's get this birthday party over with so I can get to my grave. There's a grave waiting for me and I got to get to it. And so, yes, there's, a, there's an angry haste and I've tried so hard. I've tried meditation. I've tried all these things Nah. You know, it's, if, what is this meditation? I've got to get going. Let's if, go. Let's go. If you chew just one piece of gum, what what happens? Why can't you just yeah, chew one? Take a tear one in half and just chew a half a piece. Okay, of gum. this Ooh, is. I'm gonna just get the. This is a trident, original flavor. I don't know what that means. Oh, with gravy. Um, <laughs> I love how it just says, it's original flavor, Trident, 14 sticks, sugar-free gum, with xylitol. Oh. I love how they can just say that, and I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. That could be a terrible yeah, chemical. Yeah, it could be. Putting it forward like it's a good thing. Yeah. That could be a disclaimer, now it's for all we know. No, no, yeah. it's uh, Trident, and they don't do ads with us or anything. But, they um, do now. <laughs> and they got it for free. <laughs> After I've mocked xylitol? No, it's a good gum, and it's a gum that I rely on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you want me to do? This is a very Just small. A half, take a half. This a piece. feels like it's about an inch. Yeah. Right. That's, I'd say that's two. It's a standard size, not a long piece. You of think this gum. is two inches? That's an inch. Then and I'm three in quarter. good shape. <laughs> oh man. 
Ben. Come on. I'll here we bet go. you that's an inch and three quarters by half an inch or five eighths okay, of an inch. We'll, oh, okay, Jesus these are. Christ. We'll be back with more boring bets in a minute. <laughs> I bet you that peanut weighs less than a gram. Okay, we'll be back. Hey, we all have our compulsions. All right, so I'm taking. I, I just broke this trident piece in half. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and just put that in. All right. Oh, it, oh you're, but you're chewing too close. Sound. You're chewing too close. I have that close. misophonia thing that I can't take people chewing. Yeah, it's yeah. too close. My daughter has that and can't stand anyone I, chewing or eating anything. I can't either. Mm-hmm. Why did I ask? I, I don't like too much crunch, but I'm okay with everything else. It's the. It's not enough. Yeah. That's it. It's just not. I won't. Chew, I don't want to bother people who are listening, but I'm going to uh, cease. There'll be a cessation of all chewing. <laughs> a cessation of all. Uh, macular activities. Yeah. Yes, uh, right. You really saved this podcast from being boring. <laughs> from the me guessing the width of the gum. <laughs> I snatched it from the jaws of defeat. <laughs> okay, hold on. Yeah, it's not enough. Yeah. It's just not enough. Yeah, that's then I would feel the same way. Uh, I like um I like a lot of gum. I stopped the other day to get gas. And those prices are crazy, but don't get me started. Hmm. Yeah. So much money Didn't to fill it. you have an electric car? That's the, uh, was insane to me. <laughs> he just filled up the back I seat. filled the whole gasoline. back seat with gasoline. I forgot <laughs> that I had an electric it's a good car. Thing you don't smoke. Yeah. It was such a, it's muscle memory. I just, I was in the, my electric car and I pulled in as on my way back from, uh, you know, Santa Barbara and I, I filled the back seat with unleaded gasoline. It cost $7,000. It was all sloshing through holes in the bottom of the car. <laughs> Oh, man, that's dangerous. Wait till yeah. he tries to charge his gas tank on the <laughs> next car. Um, but anyway, no, I stopped. I was uh, driving Yeah, pickup truck. That's right. I'm a guy. And I, um, yeah, all my humble figurines were in the back. <laughs> and uh, I, but I, I went in and I got those, you know, they, they, they sell gum that comes in, uh, got sugarless gum that comes in those canisters. Like a, like a bucket. Like a little bucket. Like a bucket. bucket. Yeah. Like a tiny little container. I was, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many pieces I put oh, in my mouth that. at one time. You pour yeah. it in. You, you I, would. That's what I it's did. for. They and rely it was on that. nuts. I mean, even I left my own body and looked at myself and said, what the, what are you doing? Yeah. I got so much and I'm. So my whole mouth is just filled with gum. Um, um, and you like the berry flavors, don't you? Like, I like you. to try anything. Do you I, miss the big gum of the 80s, like Hubba Bubba and oh my Bubblicious? God, Hubba, Bubblicious, I loved. Yeah. Hubba Bubba, Bubblicious, uh, those were fantastic. But again, they can't make a gum that's too big, f- that's, that would be too big for me. I just like, if they came out with a gum called the Big Whopper, you know, or- <laughs> What about Big League Chew? The Face Filler. <laughs> Brick of gum. Yeah, then I might be okay, but- did you ever do you ever eat Big League Chew, the pouch where you? Can I like just, that. Yeah, I like that a lot. But then I'm a heroin addict, and I'm just in a heroin den. It's too much. It's I could. Not it, it could. The same as heroin. But you're on methadone right now, and you're not getting any better. It's okay. No. It's okay. You need to stop being so hard on yourself. If you want a lot of sticks of gum, just eat a lot of sticks of gum. You I know? love it. But you you brought yeah. this up. He wasn't being hard. You're on right. Himself. I brought it yeah. up, and I said it was fucking weird, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, did. I did. Yeah. I did. I'm sorry. There's I said a lot that of things about me that are uh, maybe a little off or strange, but. This podcast is maybe a way to get them in the open yeah. and maybe lead to recovery. Oh, I do think when I, when I see you doing these and things also when and I brushing, eat, oh my god, like the way I eat, you can tell I grew up in a large family. Right? Yeah, I think that a lot of this stuff, though, you're like, let me get through this so I can get onto the thing I have to, not the grave, but like the thing I have to do because you're a very high functioning person. <laughs> 
<laughs> not the grave hospice. Yeah, you are yeah. just very high functioning. You have a lot of things on your mind and those are the things you'd rather be doing than things like brushing your teeth. I want to be in the moment. I very much want to be in the moment. I don't want to be like this anymore. I'd yeah. like to change. You know it's when really I think you fun. are in the moment? When you're performing or doing something yes. like this. Yeah. No, I am. Yeah. That's This is my happy place. Oh. And um, when I'm with uh, family, relatives, wife, kids... Uh, an endless torment. Okay, let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shout out to all my people right there. I love you. Uh, I'm excited. My guest today is a hilarious stand-up comedian who joined me on the Conan and Friends tour in 2018 and now has a Netflix special, Look at You. She's also going on tour this summer with tickets available at ttomcomedy.com, ttomcomedy.com. She is fantastic. Taylor Tomlinson, welcome. I don't know what your memories are. We did a, I don't I want to say this was before COVID. Not 2018. Long, 2018. And maybe the cause of COVID. We're not sure. <laughs> we there's created There's the Wuhan it. theory and then there's the Conan tour theory. Uh, and it was weird to at a lab on the private I had jet. A, I had, I'm constantly, <laughs> constantly doing experiments um, with weird viruses. You're like, is uh, that a bat, Conan? You're like, just work on your set. Yeah, just, you, hey, tighten up that ending. Okay, once you worry about your stuff, and let me worry about these bat viruses that I'm concocting. Yeah, we we all have hobbies. Okay, that's your hobby. Yeah, that's my hobby. Uh, oh. Yeah, I need to be more careful about keeping that shit in the lab. But anyway, we um, we went on this tour, and how long was your leg of the tour? I remember you you came in, and was it was it? We did a bunch of cities together. Yeah, I think I did two of the weeks. What did you do? Like a total of six to eight weeks? Maybe and I can't you, remember. You would you would rotate us in. Yes. Yeah. So like each, I think each comic ended up doing two weeks maybe that was it yeah. yeah and my my group included like ron funches and i think flula was the only one who was on all of them flula was there for the flula borg was there for the entire uh for the entire tour um and so i got to see him working out his upper body constantly <laughs> you just watched him while he was doing it? yeah i had a special nanny cam on him <laughs> But we had a really, uh, it was, you know, obviously, um, I remember my my distinct memory of you was, um, I would say most of the audiences were really good. Yeah. Uh, they were really terrific audiences wherever we went. But I remember you just being absolutely fearless in a way that blew me away because you're so young. Oh, thank you. And I was very impressed. I was like, this... This person doesn't know fear or is not showing it that you have fear. You had a sense of purpose that I found to be incredibly impressive. Oh, and, that's and, so nice. you know, um, you're like a third my age. And I just was blown <laughs> away by that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've actually done the math. Have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 79. <laughs> and you were 11 on that tour. So. Yeah, I was like, is Conan 90? <laughs> You're going to really love her. Yeah. Unlike some of us, she didn't fight in the Korean War. <laughs> yeah, I think I was 24 at the time. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that if you start really young, people are 
very impressed with you, even if you are trash. So I, you know, who knows how good I actually was, but it's like when you see like a dog skateboard <laughs> and you're like, he's not supposed to be able to do that. And you're like, yeah. is he a good skateboarder? It's like, no, he's a dog, but he's doing it. He's doing it. Yeah. Which is more than we ever thought he could do. Um, I'm not going to say you were a dog on a skateboard. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Uh, you're a hilarious comedian. And um, one of the things that impressed me is we, we talked a bunch of times and your work ethic and the, uh, I don't want to say pressure you put on yourself, but you have a very high standard, which I found to be incredibly impressive. Oh, thank you. Well, again, when you're younger in this business, I think you get certain opportunities when you're young and you want to prove that you're worthy of them. So right, that's right. certainly an aspect of it uh, that contributed to that pressure. And then also I just, you know, want to be really good at my job. I think it's more fun when you're really good. But yeah, I, I mean, that tour was so insane because I remember like the first night maybe we all had dinner and you like pulled me aside afterward and made a point to be like, hey, just so you know, really glad you're here. Like, I think maybe we had talked about family stuff mm -hmm. at, the, at the table with everybody. And you were like, really glad you're here. You deserve to be here. Like, you kind of picked up on my imposter syndrome, I feel right, like. Right, And made a point to be very encouraging, uh, which I think you did with everyone, I've heard. Not with Funches. Uh, <laughs> well, he's very confident. Yeah, he's an imposter. I, uh, like, Look, I know we all feel like we're imposters, but you Funches. No, I absolutely, uh, I, I'm picking on this guy because I absolutely adore him. But I don't know if any but I guess Flula probably knew you the best of anybody but I certainly I had only met you for moments on yeah. your show yeah and so I didn't know what you were gonna be like and I remember thinking just like why is Conan like hanging out with us like did your respect for me drop plummet oh yeah of course <laughs> the veil was pulled back and I said maybe he's not as talented as I thought he was if he's rubbing shoulders with us uh, you know it's funny uh, we had a fun sort of adventure where you revealed at one point that you as a child had always wanted an American girl doll mm -hmm. and you'd never got one and I became obsessed with we have to get you an American Girl doll. Yeah. Do you remember how this unfolded? Yes, we were on uh, we were not on a bus. What am I saying? We were in a van. Mm -hmm. uh, bus. <laughs> <laughs> what is a bus anyway? I keep hearing about this bus. Is it like a limo but longer? No, no, it's a big piece of oh. for public transportation. Why would you want to be with other people from the public? I'm so confused. We were on a private bus that Conan did own. Maybe of gold <laughs> made yeah. of gold obviously and uh we were in this van and it must have been the second leg of the tour because i was being more talkative and uh <laughs> i we were on the way to the hotel in chicago i mm -hmm. believe and i don't know why i got on this kick but i just started talking about oh the american girl doll store i think yeah. they had one there mm -hmm. and i was like man i always wanted one but they were so expensive and my parents never got me one but that was like the dream and i would just look at the catalog like it was a magazine or something mm -hmm. and just go if i had one of those dolls i'd put them in these shoes <laughs> and it's why i have such a great imagination now and the next day i got a text from somebody who was like hey uh conan wants to do a video with mm -hmm. an American Girl doll 
do you do you want to come down and do that at like noon and i was like yeah and then you made me choose between kit and samantha yes i wanted it to be have an element of cruelty to it <laughs> yes. because it's me so there were two really needy looking american girl dolls like, you know please pick me no no pick me and i said you had to choose and then i think i said the other one was going to be murdered yeah you were like we will be uh melting the other one into a doll pancake uh-huh. And uh, we're going to send you the video. Yeah, and right, yeah. you you did this. You did this. But I think at the end, you actually gave the other one to Flula. I did. So which one did you pick? I picked Samantha because I had more experience with her as a child. I had watched the movies and read all the books. And Kit, I wasn't as familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I felt that I didn't. I, I, I didn't feel like I should pick her. Right. And then in hindsight, I wish I had because Kit's cooler. Than you know what's nice? Yeah. So you picked your doll and then you were, were legitimately very happy yeah. to have this doll. And I didn't want to destroy the other one. That would be the act of a, a sociopath. Um, so I gave it to Flula and Flula ended up Talk about a guy who commits to something. Oh. He ended up t- holding it the entire tour. Now, Flula Borg, you've seen him in movies, Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect, uh, the uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, Suicide Pretty Squad. Cool. And he's a very funny, talented guy, and I love him to death. And he's I've done I've shot a bunch of things with him. Um, but he uh, he's this big, good-looking German guy who like works out all the time. And he was holding his American Girl doll the entire trip. And even when we would go to get dinner at night, he would bring it and he would set it up in a little high chair. Yeah. And I kept thinking like, this is really funny, but when is this going to stop? Yeah. And he wouldn't stop. <laughs> and I think he's still somewhere right now in Bavaria holding it. I know. I felt bad after that. I was like, I don't even think he read those books. <laughs> and he's far yeah. more committed to this bit than I am. Yeah. I was like, leave it in the box and FedEx it to my house. <laughs> I don't want anything to happen to it on the plane. Right. I got to know you pretty well on that tour. I learned so much about you. Uh, and I thought we should just start on, you know, I was raised in a religious household, very mm-hmm. Catholic. But Catholicism, they they can play it fast and loose. You mm. know, uh, you were raised in a very Christian environment. Mm-hmm. That and, and your early work in comedy was sort of in Christian comedy, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, I started in churches when I was sixteen because you can't go up in clubs until you're eighteen. So right. I hadn't been in a comedy club until I turned eighteen. Once I did, I was like, "Oh, this is like where comedy is supposed to happen." Not in church. Not in church, <laughs> as it turns out. Um, but you know, I, I think that maybe that was good as a foundation. I worked really clean for like the first six years, probably. Yeah. That I did stand up, and then when I turned twenty two. Uh, I actually got fired from a church gig opening for a big church comic because of something that I tweeted that ended up being a joke that I did on your show. That's right. You have this. It's a great joke. Um, I'll let you tell it. Uh, (laughs) But this is the joke that got you kicked out of the Christian comedy circuit. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was like my it was like the last church gig that I was still doing was opening for this guy. And they called me and were like, hey, like you can't be tweeting stuff like this like we that's not good for our audience can you tell us the joke the joke was uh i'm a wild animal in bed way more afraid of you than you are of me and i was so happy that it ended up on your show yeah because in my first late night set on your show uh which was like by the way all I wanted for years was to have a Conan set. Oh, that's nice. And it was maybe the first moment that I felt like, oh, I might be a real comedian now. 
right. was like that's what I wanted for the first half of my career, like the first six years. And then once I got that, I was like, okay, we can set some other goals now. But that is literally all I wanted to do. And then after that, all I wanted to do was tour theaters and now I've done that and so now everyone's like what do you want to do now I'm like I think I did everything I'm done I did Conan in this I'm tour 26 and it's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I you know uh, you see you tweet that joke out they get upset mm-hmm. but I I maintain that the um, limitations are great when you're very young if you are uh, even whether the limitations are self-imposed or imposed by your environment, it's really good for you. Yeah, I think that's true. But then also coming up in church, I don't think you're exposed to as much stand-up as you are when you're doing open mics and clubs mm-hmm. in a bigger city. Right. Because then you're more aware of like what's already been done and what's kind of a hacky premise and doing it church gigs, nobody's really worried about that because it's such a small sheltered scene, I suppose you could say. Um, So, you know, I look back on it and I think in some ways it was really good. I was also going up in front of like hundreds of people for 15 minutes and a lot of times (laughs) getting money. And I'm like, this is stupid. That should not have been happening at all. But by the time I- Was the money good? Oh, church money is amazing. It's really good. Do they pay you like in ones and right from the collection? (laughs) I mean, look, they put it in your G-string, but it's (laughs) it's blessed. They are, the ones are dead. Damp with holy water. <laughs> no, I was paid in communion wafers for, the, for my first three years. You get a lot of free wine. You get a lot of. <laughs> you know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking play. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. in today's Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? 
In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I think that's what's so crazy is like I had to have a conversation with my team, my manager and agents where I was like, I can't do churches anymore. And they were like, what about this money? And I was like, I can't like I'm being dishonest with them because I'm not a Christian anymore and I'm not going to be clean all the time anymore. I'm going to speak how I speak in clubs and talk about what I want to talk about. And if you are a comedian performing in churches, they want you to be that all the time. And that's why they're all, you know, middle-aged married guys because they're Christian and that's their lifestyle. And they talk about their family and going Mm -hmm. to church and, you know, good for them. That's who should be doing it. But I didn't want to be somebody who was pretending to be something that I wasn't for some sort of success or or financial stability. But yeah, the money was really good. And you're kind of like, Yikes. Like, so then I just did like eight cruise ships the next year <laughs> to make up for it. 
ships. You went from <laughs> Christianity to cruise ships. I have done. There's sometimes I feel like an imposter, and then I go, I've done literally every gig that you could possibly do. Like I've done churches, I've done corporates, I've done clubs, I've done colleges, I have done cruise ships. I have done everything, and I'm glad that I have because now I know there are so many different ways you can make a living as mm-hmm. a stand-up. I yeah. mean, when I did cruise ships, I was miserable. I'm, I could not have done more than I did, but the guys doing these cruise ships, they're happy. That's their life. They're like, in three months, I have a land gig. I'm like, a land gig? <laughs> I got to get out of here. A, it's a way different. Yeah. The bar is very different. Yes. Ah, to be on land. <laughs> what? In six months, terra firma. Um, the nightmare that I've always heard about cruise ships, and I've never <laughs> performed on a cruise ship. You'll get there. I'll get there. Trust me. <laughs> My, I, I know my trajectory all too well. I will be on a cruise ship, but um, you'll be on a cool, like Illuminati cruise ship. Though, yes, for like celebrities. Yes, where the real money is. Yes, um, they'll all be wearing robes. Yes, I'll be nude. Uh, but Why? that's my preference. That was not anything they requested. Other people are wearing robes. I want to be nude. Um, but uh, no, the 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 horror apparently of working on a cruise ship is that if it doesn't go well. Yeah. You are trapped with the audience mm-hmm. for six more days. Yep. Yeah, I would sleep all day until about five o'clock, which was right when the buffet opened. And then I would get to the buffet right when it opened. So there weren't a lot of people there yet. And I would eat very quickly and I would put some fruit in a purse. And then I would go back to my room <laughs> and I'd squirrel the that away. And then I would go do the shows and then you know, go back to my room and then wait for everyone to go to sleep. And then I would like go to the gym and walk around the ship while it was empty and everyone was sleeping. <laughs> I can't believe I got depressed on these, right? What, um, it's almost like I was crowds with, I'm always obsessed with where the good crowds are. Are the, are the crowds Royal good? Caribbean? Are the, are the crowds <laughs> on a Royal Caribbean yes. Uh, decent? Yes, they are. Cause they, the ones that I did at least they had, a comedy club on the ship, which is, you know, it feels like a comedy club in like Toontown where it's like, this is what a comedy club looks like, but it's like, you know, right. And you only had to do like 25 minutes with another comedian and it's free. It's one of the free things you can do on the cruise ship because it's all inclusive. So it was like by the end of the week, everyone had like most of the people were coming twice. So like the first half of the week, these guys would have the 25 minutes they did. And then the second half of the week, they would have like, like the ship 25 that they did, which was all about what ports we stopped in and like the buffet and all their ship jokes. Yeah. Diarrhea. Yeah, of course. You, know. you got to get to diarrhea. <laughs> Who's got the emodium, right? <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was, but I did some that you, there was no comedy club. You were just in like the piano bar and you would perform stand up and it felt weird and people were walking in and out and there were kids at some. And so like Royal Caribbean was one that when I did it, they had a comedy club, it was adults only and you only had to do 25 minutes as opposed to like 45 or something. So I only did maybe like seven uh, weeks of it, but, and not consecutively, but by the end I was like, these are the only ones I want to do. As long as I've been doing comedy in front of people, you get asked a lot to do benefits and there are a lot of benefits where they want you, if, especially if you're emceeing it or you're the host, they want you doing a lot of material while people are being served food. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's just something that I've always hated is people eating their food and then occasionally looking up at me. While people are munching and you're trying to, you're doing your material. Yeah. it. I find that to be like, there's some, I've, if I go to the bad place when I die, <laughs> oh my God. I will be asked to do 
a comedy and stand up in front of people and try and make them laugh for all eternity and they'll be eating. Yeah. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be them eating and noisy food, slurpy food. Yeah. People having like weird Mediterranean soups yeah. while I'm and the performing. And sil the silverware just The clinking the, and clanking. The, uh, and plate. Yeah, I, there's one guy I can see. I had to do something at the Waldorf Astoria and they have this giant cavernous room and this was, I don't know, like 25 years ago and I was up there and I had been, I was pretty new on the late night scene and it was a much older crowd that wasn't thrilled to see me. But I remembered a guy eating with his back to me right in front of me, <laughs> this older bald guy with thick glasses and he was eating his food and it went, he just kept turning around occasionally and looking at me like, why are you speaking? I thought the While Six Flags guy noisy. was nicer than that. What? I thought the Six Flags guy was nicer than that. <laughs> it is the Six Flags guy. He's surprisingly limber. Um, you know, uh, I talk a lot about I think there are things that are important for me to know, which is that everybody has imposter syndrome. And if you don't have it, something's wrong with you. Yeah, then you're a narcissist. Yeah, and I'm a I'm narcissist. just happy. I don't know. There's some healthy people, probably. <laughs> this is what people in show business always do, though. We always go, I mean, everybody feels terrible, right? And then you meet some healthy people, and you're like, so has anything bad happened to you? And they're like, <laughs> not really. And you're just like, what? I was quite happy as a child. Yeah. I, was a, I hate it when I meet someone who's really funny who was a great athlete. Oh, I hate that shit. And uh, because I'm just enraged. I'm like, no, no, no. This is my consolation prize. Yeah. I got this because I didn't have any of the other stuff. Yeah. And now you're telling me that, oh, no, I mean, I got recruited. Uh, it was either male model or um, football quarterback. And I decided comedy. Yeah. And uh, it's just gone well ever since. I don't want quarterbacks making callbacks successfully. Nicely. <laughs> Thank you. I um, wasn't athletic. That's why I'm able to give you gems like that. <laughs> That's a marching band uh, side effect. <laughs> no, I hate meeting people who, uh, I, I dislike people who are, you know, too happy and healthy and symmetrical. And I do try to dig for uh, the, tra the trauma in their childhood so that I can uh, like them. Right. As people, which is my issue. And I know that. <laughs> and we're working through it. You talked about in your last special look at you, you talk a lot about the darker periods of your life. Mm -hmm. It's probably something you, if you look at your trajectory, you, you couldn't have accessed that stuff earlier on in your career. I know your oh, mom- Oh, I tried. Your mom, your mom passed when you were- Eight. Eight, eight? Mm -hmm. Jesus, sorry about that. That's all right. God damn. That has to have had a mom just a momentous effect on you. Oh yeah, I think for sure. Because anytime you s succeed in some way, you know, you get a Conan set or you- get on Netflix or, or what have you, or even personal things, uh, there is a degree of sadness to it because you go, oh man, like the person that you would love to be here isn't here. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're like trying to impress somebody who's doesn't exist anymore. Like you don't realize that until you're older. You're like, oh, I'm maybe I'm only, I do a joke about it and look at you. I'm like, do you think I'd be this successful if I had a live mom? Cause I really don't. Like mm -hmm. I, I saw my grandma recently and she was like, your mom would think this was so cool. She'd be in the front row. And I'm like, I wouldn't be doing this if mom you don't was think you here. Would be? I don't know. I don't know that I would be because I sort of fell into it in high school and maybe I would have, but I don't know. I think I probably would have just ended up being like a drama teacher or something and getting married or, or what. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I just, it's it's impossible to know, but I think about it a lot. And, and you have been pretty open about your mental health, mm -hmm. things that you're doing to try and 
cope, take care of yourself, deal with mm-hmm. it, which is something we end up talking about a lot mm-hmm. on this show because oh, there we go. I couldn't. They were moving the drink away from me. Yeah, <laughs> because we're, I kept I kept hitting it with my hand. Well, also. Um, we are our main sponsor is an iced tea. You oh, have ice, you have an iced coffee, <laughs> and we're not allowed to ever show or admit that iced coffee exists. Oh yeah, and I kept jostling it like a goddamn unprofessional child. And I go, I love that we're in the middle of talking about this trauma in your I childhood, know. and Adam Sachs runs over and moves an iced coffee away from you. It, you know what it felt like? It felt like you guys were like, you know, you're not being that funny, no. and. Uh, we we are gonna we're gonna take something away from you until you 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 get back on track. Can't stop talking about your mom that passed when you were eight. We're gonna take this iced coffee away from you. The, you know this drink is for winners. We we reward punchlines here at Conan O'Brien needs a friend. We count the laughs, <clears throat> and this is a big shock to all of us. But when we got into your mom passing and uh, your mental health struggles, the laughs started to dip. <laughs> That means no less coffee for you. The levels went down. We are hemorrhaging money right now. I have, I'm looking at a stock chart. We're now a publicly traded podcast. We're bottoming out. They've been, they've been mouthing at Conan behind me. Boring. Get out of it. Also, for the last five minutes. Let's compare. I mean, we both struggled. You lost your mom at eight. I still fly overwhelmingly commercial. Yes. Uh, and I think because we've both... We're saddled with these, I don't, I want to say tragic turns. Oh. Yeah. I think I, this is what helped me grow too. Yeah. My mother left the earth and that man wouldn't turn around for your <laughs> Waldorf set. So, you know? I mean, I'm We're sorry. All... I see him. I'm dying. I see that man every day. I remember what he was eating. It was a breaded veal cutlet. And he was chewing it aggressively while I was trying to do my bit (laughs) about the Mets. And um, the Waldorf. Yeah, the Waldorf. And you know what? She added that one specific detail. Can I just tell you one thing? The acoustics there were not great. It wasn't ideal. You want more compression when you're doing comedy. So, just getting back to it, your mom's in heaven. I've performed in rooms that have high ceilings. We've all. The laughs just echo around up there. And you don't get the satisfying punch that you get when you're in a small club. So let's review. You lost your mom at maybe the most impressionable age. I often fly commercial and had a bad experience at the Waldorf Astoria doing a charity gig for which I was not paid. Who's to say who suffered more? I don't know. Can we have listeners listeners tell us? I think it's close. Can we do an I think Instagram we story poll, please, right now, just to settle it? Oh, it was eight. You were new to late night. Everyone was in a <laughs> I mean, I wasn't paid quite what I get towards the end of my run. So you have to factor that in, too. I don't know. Uh, let's just call it a draw. Let's yes. agree that it's a draw. It's fair. You know, it's funny you say that because I don't, I don't know that I, getting back to, if it's possible to get back to it, I don't know if it's possible. You'll never know had things been different, had your road been different. What I always settle on is I'm very happy. It always feels miraculous to me that I found this, yeah. the path that I found. 
And um, I think it's, I don't know, miraculous that you found your way to comedy and it doesn't feel like an accident. It doesn't feel, I feel like you would have done that in any universe. I think you're, I, th I, I do. I, I think you're so. meant to do this. I hope I'd be Spider-Man in any version of the multiverse. The multiverse. Yeah, I, I would I would hope so. Uh, but, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know stand-up was a thing. That's another part of growing up so sheltered and religious right. is like, I don't know. I mean, I think we listened to Brian Regan, but I don't even know that I knew what he was doing. I right. was just like, this guy is really funny. And right. then I think I saw like a comedy time video on YouTube when I was like 12. And I was like, what is that? I Googled stand-up comedy because it was in the description. And I was like, they're just talking into a microphone in front of people. Is this a, is this some sort of wedding <laughs> toast? Like I really didn't know how people knew how to do this job before podcasts and the internet and all that. What shows were you watching when you were a kid that inspired you? Oh gosh, I don't, it's to do stand-up? Just, or just to be, or, comedy? Or, or in comedy, just sort of lit up your brain. What was I lighting mean, up your brain? I, I don't even know, probably nothing cool. Doesn't I have wish. to be cool, it can be Alf. If, <laughs> I'm sorry to put down Alf. I don't even know, I was like watching Gilmore Girls, but that was like, which is funny. Gilmore Girls is funny. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Gilmore Girls is very good. I just, it's so much dialogue. It's so much dialogue. And They'll, they and and there's never a second of quiet. Everyone, all the in dialogue is. It's very beautifully written, but it interlocks um, so exactly. Yeah. And, the, and there's no, there's never as no character ever goes. Ah, well, <laughs> it sure is fun being a Gilmore girl. <laughs> A terrible line. Though. I think that's a great line. It sure is fun being a Gilmore girl. And then they wink at the camera. Yeah, let's we said it. Let's go walk to that fake center of town with the gazebo that doesn't exist anywhere. Even people that like work at Disneyland are like, "What the fuck is that?" The gazebo. So yeah, there's a gazebo, and there's always Christmas lights out. Oh, There's man. no crime. Yeah. I um, think when I was like 13, I was watching Gilmore Girls and going like, okay, how do I be this witty? Like, I just wanted to be witty and attractive. I wasn't trying to be like a stand-up comedian yet. I think when I saw, I might have watched this in college because I didn't know that I wanted to do stand-up professionally when I started doing it. I just knew I loved it. And I, mm -hmm. I felt like myself on stage and I was terrified and I had horrible stage fright and would get physically ill before I did shows, which were not consistent. It wasn't like I was going up every night. I was going up, you know, a few times a month or something in high school. And uh, I I didn't know that I could. And I went away to college when I was 17. And while I was there, I went to school in San Luis Obispo and I didn't have anywhere to do stand up. And I remember I saw the improv team perform and I was like, I don't think I can do that uh, because I don't like or respect other people, but I'm not, I'm not collaborative uh -huh. as a person. Uh, no, I was just too much of an introvert. I didn't think I could do it. And I remember I got paid by a church in San Diego to like, like flew me back to do stand up. And it was the first time I'd done it in a couple months. And I was like, oh, I got to get out of here. And then I transferred to like a community, a community college near San Diego so I could do stand up. But I had no idea that that was something that I could do. And even if I liked doing it, I was like, well, I'll just like get married to my college boyfriend and be a teacher and then do stand up on the weekends to mm -hmm. feel something and really thought that's what I was going to do. And then I remember when I was like 19, 20, I met another comedian who had also started when he was 16 and was like going up every night. And he was like, 
hey, like you're good, but you don't go up enough. If you don't like make it as a comedian, that's your fault. And it was only then that I started going up all the time as much as possible. So at one point I was like working and going to school and like driving to San Diego to do shows. I had to really almost be like dared to do it because I was so afraid and had a, such a hard time wrapping my head around the idea of me doing it. And then the weird flip side of that is sometimes, actually not just sometimes, it happens quite a bit, you're out there and things aren't going your way and you just take this wild stab at something. And that's joyous mm -hmm. when you figure something out in front of people, they kind of sense it. They mm -hmm. sometimes sense that, oh, wait a minute, this is really happening right now. I don't know what, humans have this sixth sense when they really know that you're riffing for real and not faking it. Yeah, it's why people... It, it's why it's so hard to run late night sets before you do them because the audience can tell you are rehearsing something very specific right. and it doesn't, you don't, you want to get the timing down perfectly. So you don't want to riff or, or be in the room as much. And that's when things feel really magical and connected is when you're just in the room and kind of open to whatever, even if you don't end up riffing or doing crowd work or anything that feeling of anything could happen and I'm comfortable and I'm here with you guys and I'm making eye contact is is so different. And I think audiences do pick up on it. That was one of the things I found about that tour that I hadn't had a lot of experience with was memorizing a set and doing it. I found that the joy always came during the Q&A. Well, this thing I do about my ancestry.com does well every night and gives me this laugh, but it's not nearly as fun as the thing I found with that 13 year old kid in the audience who wanted dating advice. That, yeah. that really, that was much more joyous than the thing that I had worked on and crafted. Yeah. Do you remember that Sunday? We, there was a kid in the audience in one of the shows. I don't it's, know. If, I kind of vaguely There was a remember. boy and he wanted dating advice. Maybe yes. he was like 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you I remember the advice? I, that well, you gave? first of all, I think I went to great lengths to tell him, man, was he barking up the wrong tree? Yes, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just came to Hugh Hefner for advice about monogamy. <laughs> idiot. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? But, well, you've been married. You got married before you were successful, right? No. You didn't. Oh, God, no. Okay. Um, no one would have me. Uh, <laughs> my wife made it quite clear that it was only because I had achieved some success that she was interested. Yeah. Uh, no, I, well, I mean, I got the late night show when I was 30 and I got married when I was 38. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, so I was just out there, man, constantly. <laughs> yeah. You can't name a celebrity I didn't sleep with, man or woman. <laughs> That's what everyone says about you. Gene Rayburn, match game. <laughs> no idea. Yep. Yeah. No idea who well, that is. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's just say he and I went out at Hat and Heavy. All right. Yeah. Congrats. Alf. <laughs> Back Fuck. to Alf. Fucked him. <laughs> Fucked Alf. Yeah, at the height of Alf's fame. So I was, yeah. The height of Alf's powers. So the, the height of Alf's power. I remember it feeling like when you're in a room with Alf in a club, no one's looking at you. Yeah. You just go away. It was, I was humiliating. I, I have a question, not mm -hmm. to ask you for, it's not really advice, I'm just curious. When you were just... <laughs> Here we go. Such a long sigh. I'm just preparing myself for some humiliation. No, no, ahead. no. It's a nice. I know. Look, I get. We're. I'm not doing a bit. I'm really asking. When you were uh, doing your show and mm -hmm. you weren't married yet, mm -hmm. did you become suspicious of people who were interested in you? Um, that's interesting. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you can tell. 
For example, my wife, when we were chatting, she talked to me way too long about my thesis in college. <laughs> and I was like, no one, <clears throat> she can have anybody. She is, she's way too interested in my thesis. She can't fake that. You know, I could tell that we were two nerds that really were vibrating on the same level. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and also over time, you, you realize anyone who's in a committed relationship with you, there's an, <laughs> there's an easier way, <laughs> you know what I mean? You could just, uh, there's easier ways to make it in life than to be with someone you abhor. So <laughs> I think I put, I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, I, 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 def I, I get what you're saying, but I also understand what Taylor's saying that you, it is probably, there were moments that were probably hard for you to distinguish if, you know, that... Right. But but Liza's very obviously not interested in that aspect of No, it. I don't think she's a fan of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, you know, he's, he seems like he's good dad material. He'll be, you know, he'll be he'll be good for the long haul. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I know what you mean, but I think um I don't know. I always felt like I trusted my instincts that uh, I would know the difference. And um, like I say, I have all these ways about me, you know, I will talk about the civil war at great length <laughs> and there's a gold digger would not, they would eventually give up. Check they would out. say, I really want this guy's, I really want- the history podcast charts? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's an audience for that. Yeah. I remembered right after we got married, I said to my wife, uh, I said to Liza, I know what we should do. It'll be romantic and fun. Let's drive through the state of Georgia and uh, let's go to Plains and see where Jimmy Carter lived. And then I said, let's go and visit uh, these battle sites and then we can work our way up. I want to see uh, this, uh, you know, Macon, Georgia. And I want to see, and then um, she was down for all of it. Oh, that's and this is after we got married, like, yeah. you know, and then um, I said to her at one point, all right, now it's <laughs> six hours out of her way before we get back to Atlanta, but I want to go see the Andersonville. And she said, what's that? And I said, that's uh, where was where all the, Confe the Confederate army kept the Union prisoners. And she said, what is it? I said, it's a big field where everyone died of diarrhea. <laughs> and she said, yeah, we're not doing that. We're going back to the really nice hotel in Atlanta. Yeah. And I want, I want to see the diarrhea field. No. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and you were like, I could have had anyone. Anyone. <laughs> Carmen Electra. I love my references, by the way. I you know, know who would have gone to the diarrhea field? Alf. Alf would have been there. Oh, Alf and I would have done it on the diarrhea fields. I am a sex symbol in late night television. It is my job to know every fluid that can exit a person's body. I am a history buff and a student yeah. of anatomy. No, so I think I those were my methods of shaking loose a, a gold digger. Mm -hmm, and right? I think, uh, you know, I was probably with a few gold diggers and they were just like, um, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Never mind. Yeah. And they got a good story. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I went out with the biggest nerd. <laughs> and then it turns out he doesn't even have a plane. I'll get that. That plane. ends up on Dumois or whatever. Yeah. I have a writer. All uh, late night host really wants to go to the diarrhea field. <laughs> <laughs> like, who could that be about? My Everyone third time at, my <laughs> third time at the diarrhea field and Certain tall late night hosts is still here. 
<laughs> he won't leave. <laughs> yeah, every time uh, I have this writer, Matt O'Brien, who works with us, no relation, but he uh, he's constantly, whenever he sees me on Dumois, yeah. which is that website that has like celebrity sightings, he calls me up. And so far, it's always been the same thing. What is it? Uh, I'm at this sushi restaurant getting sushi with my family. That's and it? it's like every time, and it's the most boring entry. Yeah. And then the fifth time, the person said, this guy really likes his sushi. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is this is going to go right to I the Enquirer. I love that Matt checks that regularly. He checks Dumois regularly yeah. to see if I'm eating enough fish. Um, I uh, Well, I'm, I have to tell you, I'm very proud that I got to share a stage with you. Um, and I, a huge fan of yours. And as I said, my favorite people are young people who are proving what's always been true, which is if you work really hard and you take your craft seriously, the rest takes care of itself. And that's your story. I mean, and so it, I, I'm sorry that you have imposter syndrome at times, but I also think that sadly it may be the secret sauce. I know. Well, and I, I'm so appreciative of you having me on your show, your tour, this podcast. Um, and yeah, it's very surreal. And I'm always glad when I meet somebody in this business who's so many people's hero that is not a dick and is like humble and cool and Oops. gives back to younger people. It's just like, yeah, it's very cool. And I know everybody comes on this podcast and sucks your dick. So I don't want to be, uh, you know, it started with Alf. I know. <laughs> not, not like that. I meant, you know, compliments. Wise. Oh, you don't I was mean using literally slang. Everybody. You, oh, I see. It's going to end up on oh, Dumois. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, a certain I, tall redheaded host well, and a puppet. <laughs> were getting it on in the men's room. Um, no, but I never, I don't want to, you know, gush too hard and make you uncomfortable or be like. That's why Sona's here. Sona's right? here to always say, no, 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 he is a dick. He is a Trust dick. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. He just knows how to know cover him. it up for little periods well, of time. Well, in small doses, yeah. you are lovely. <laughs> Let's end on that. Taylor, seriously, please come back. I'd love to talk to you anytime. This I'd was really to. fun. And um, next time, bring that doll. Oh, I will. I wonder how she's doing. Is she displayed prominently somewhere in your home? Or she's just in a, a box because I'm scared <laughs> to touch her. I'm genuinely scared because their hair gets matted very easily. So I keep her in the box. All right. I'll buy a brush and then maybe take her outside. She got creepy fast. <laughs> You're right to have imposter syndrome. You're an imposter. All right. Thank you, Taylor. You're Thanks, the best. Scotty. Thank you. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it? But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think Car Shield. Car Shield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call Car Shield and choose the mechanic to do the work. Car Shield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. 
You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me, Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save 20% today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, (laughs) and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. Okay, last week we had to split this into two because it was just too important. I mean, we, didn't, we didn't want to. Important. We wanted to take the time that it That's needed. Uh, two of us voted to just stop talking about this. <laughs> but Matt Gorley does all the editing, and he, I guess, has uh, you know more power than we do. Yeah. And he uh, outvoted us and said, "No, let's keep talking about James Bond Arcana." Yep. So this is a quiz on songs that were done by popular musicians or bands that were rejected as James Bond theme songs. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. For, and this is for my own edification. Does this mean that they, a bunch of artists were asked or did these artists just blindly say, hey, I think I have a good idea for a Bond song and they they prepared it and they recorded it and sent it in and it got rejected because that would be humiliating. I think for the most part, they were all asked. I believe Johnny Cash is the one that did it unasked. Right. Yeah. That's amazing to, if you're a huge group, huge singer, huge star, and you're asked to do a Bond song and then they they get it and go, eh. Yeah, Radiohead, because we've already covered that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, maybe they just sent in a bunch of weird noises. It, it is you a know? little... I mean, I'm, I, it I doesn't love, have a hook. I love Radiohead, yeah. but uh, quite a while ago, they they started, you know... Yeah. I, uh, God bless them. God bless them. Yeah. But they started, you know, uh, recording like uh, an elevator engine That's and then playing it backwards. What this is. It's a little... Uh, it doesn't quite land. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, they don't kind of want you to. It's like, yeah. you either think this is cool or you're dead to us. Mm. Okay. Let's get back into it. Murderer. The year is 2008. Mm. The film, the much divisive Quantum of Solace. Ooh. Quantum of Solace. Very flawed script. Uh, well, there's a writer's strike, but otherwise I yeah, think well, it's then aging don't come, well. Is it? Yeah. I watched it. I didn't think it made sense. Uh, it doesn't. But it's, There are whole but, parts of it where they clearly don't have script pages because there was a writer's strike. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a whole 10 minute sequence where you can see Daniel Craig waiting for the next page. <laughs> and then they hand it in on camera and he quickly looks at it and he... he Makes his nose wrinkles like he smelled something bad. And then he says, the, I mean, that's terrible. Go back and look at it. It's uh, it's 42 minutes in. Go back. I never saw it. Okay. 
Here are your four options. Yep. 2005. 2008. Eight. Close. You were only three years off. Okay, you just you. said it. I could do math. Thanks. Coldplay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dame Shirley Bassey. The Brian Setzer Orchestra. Or Sir Paul McCartney. Sona. Yes. Uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna s- I'm just gonna say Shirley Bassey. That's correct. Oh! Good for you. That was Don't great. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't no. do that. Oh. I'm happy for you. Oh. Well, you got one right. Oh my god. That's nice. You just. Ugh. What is it when you bl- take the wind out of your sails? Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that a saying? Yeah. That's what you just did to me. I was really excited, and then you ruined it for me. You're so happy. <laughs> I with said, yourself. "Good for you." Ugh. Ugh. Now Ugh. We, we talked about this song because whether or not this goes on this episode or not, but someone on this podcast did a Bond song, and they uh, that was after the Shirley Bassey one was rejected, and it went to Amy Winehouse, then Jack White and Alicia oh. Keys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. But you can hear that one, and it's good. Huh. Okay. Can you imagine? I mean, I, 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 you, you and I should work hard, I'm not kidding, yeah. to get a Bond song- oh. I mean, at least to write it. Yeah. I don't. Th- they're not going to let me sing it because it's going to take people out of the movie. Like, oh shit, that's Conan. I can tell it's him singing. I wish he was in the movie. Boo, he's not. And then the movie's a flop. First Bond movie mm-hmm. to flop. So that that can't happen. But I do think you and I should write a Bond song. I agree. Uh, it's just minor chords. That's all you got to do. Yeah, yeah, a lot of E minor. Yeah, a lot of E minor. Occasional that. A minor. Can you <laughs> yeah. can you write one without putting jokes in it? Like, can you write a sincere Bond? Bond song? Of course I could. Yes, no, of you course can't. I, no, I would just in. access my emotional core. We're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a Bond song. Some of them are just ridiculous. It's true. That's true. If you've ever heard the lyrics to The Man with the Golden Gun, they're insane. It's about like like ejaculating. Is it really? Yeah. Or oh. does he have a gun that shoots ejaculate? <laughs> it works both ways. Every time I talk like this, you're like, oh, you're bringing down the podcast. Oh, no, you- I just brought it up. I yeah. just hit it over. Uh, Hello. I know the difference. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of The Man with the Golden Gun. 1974, Man with a Golden Gun. Yes. Queen, mm-hmm. Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. Meatloaf, or Rod Stewart? Uh, I'm going to go with Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. That's incorrect. Okay. I'm going to just say Queen because I love that's them That's incorrect. So okay. Yeah. And we're going to do it again. So Alice Cooper or Meatloaf? What Sona. year is it again? 74. Sona. Sona. Alice Cooper. That's correct. Hey. I was going to say, well, you know what? It's too early to be you Meatloaf. No, you didn't say. Well, no, I'm just... Hold on. I'm just saying, you've got to calm down, Sona. It's it's uh, it's too early to be Meatloaf. Meatloaf hasn't hit yet. Okay. Yeah, but you didn't answer it. Oh, no. I so don't, you, all your reasoning well, doesn't these make games, I'm sorry. Games are beneath me. I'm I'm a Roman oh. emperor watching all of you scuttle in the- uh, It's because we're tied now. Scuttle in the mud. It's because mm. we're tied now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You get so so I'm out of options and we're tied. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe what we could do- <laughs> Well, you know, what we could do, because it doesn't always have to be a winner. Yeah. I mean, either way, I win. <laughs> I mean, I just win at life. Um, the point is. Yeah. It was too early for meatloaf. <laughs> it was. 74 is way too early for meatloaf. And I often think it's too early for meatloaf. That's my motto in life. <laughs> if I could get one thing written on my body, it would be it's too early for meatloaf. <laughs> you know what? Someone's going to come up to me who's heard the podcast and go, it's too early for meatloaf. <laughs> and I'm not going to know what they're talking no. about because I forget everything after we're done here. That's the title of our Bond song. Yes. It's too early for meatloaf. All right, Conan, you just won. Congratulations. Thank you. I always do. Wow. I always do. No, you've lost several times. Uh, we certainly lost listeners. <laughs> we're bleeding. <laughs> we are bleeding listeners. Oh. We're hemorrhaging listeners. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry about that. We'll we'll get back on track. But that was informational. Yeah. Yeah. What did you have a favorite Bond song? Yeah, I guess well, it's hard to beat Live and Let Die, but I think Skyfall is really creeping up there. Um, but the instrumental for On Her Majesty's Secret Service is amazing because that's the only one without lyrics. It's just John Barry. Right. Yeah. Do you watch a Bond film every day? Yeah, I wake up to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's not even, it's not it's not a sound that you wake up to. You wake up because a projector turns on. Yeah. And you watch a full 85-minute Bond Sometimes film. I hire live actors to do a stage show to wake me up. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And then you get a little massage afterwards. Hello. Why do you get um, a massage? Who massages you? Have you had a massage from Timothy Dalton? I have. Oh, my God. Incredible. He Incredible. gets right in. He gets Incredible. right in there, right where the shoulder blade, <laughs> in between the shoulder blades. You yeah. said that so matter-of-factly. He's amazing. Like, obviously, people do a show you know, for you, has, and then they give you a He has really strong hands, but he he also knows where to apply the pressure. Yeah. Yep. God bless you, Timothy Dalton. Mm-hmm. God bless you. Sometimes he'll rub like your your scapula mm-hmm. with that little cleft in his chin. And yes. Just, you know what? Why have you stopped looking at me? No, but so many times he's so good at getting the cleft yeah. right in because the little you know sometimes yeah. the little knot that you have yeah he gets that cleft oh, right over it. It's like running a credit card. It is. Yeah. It's like running a credit card. Yeah. And I think about that all the time when I look at Timothy Dalton's chin when it's rubbing yeah. up against my back. Oh, I just looked. We lost our last listener. Yeah. Wait, yeah. they're coming back. No. Nope, they turned around yeah. and walked away. Is he still alive? Timothy Dalton? Yeah. Oh, yes, live so. and well. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Only two Bonds are dead. Roger Moore died on my birthday. Oh, fuck. Yeah, That's awful. <laughs> I can't think of anything worse. Well, that, and you know why. And I was on and my you know honeymoon. Happened? And you know what happened? I was on my honeymoon, too. <laughs> it's because you went to visit him. <laughs> He's such a Bond fanatic. He went to visit Roger Moore. He went to visit Roger Moore on his birthday, rang the bell. Moore, who was just recovering from his seventh heart attack, opened the door and he went, surprise, it's my birthday, James Bond. Roger Moore fell dead. You killed it? He killed James Bond accidentally. Oh, man. Yeah, he also surprised... Man, Sean Connery yeah. died on your birthday because he was surprised at the door by someone in a loincloth and said, I love you, 007. The point is, the remaining four, look out. Uh. Yeah. Don't answer the door on Gorley's birthday. <laughs> For all the surviving James Bonds, do not answer your door on Matt Gorley's birthday. Oh, man. And if you do, make sure that you have CPR equipment with you. Defibrillators. <laughs> and a surgeon. Just you waking up in the morning all excited because it's your birthday. On my honeymoon. And then like looking at the phone and just be like, oh, what? Yeah. Oh, no. Bond died. Yeah. I, I love my, Maybe bonds. my favorite Bond too. What? I know. No. He gets worse. Yeah. No. He yeah. gets so much He worse. gets to like Percy at the no. end. He's He's he like does. The, the in the last bonds. in the last one. Oh man! He's, I think he's like seventy two. Fifty seven. I'm sorry. He's seventy two during the last year that he plays James Bond, or maybe eighty two. I'm not sure. But they literally show him. It's the one that has the um. Uh, there, there's an a acrobat. View to a kill. Yeah, view to yeah. a kill, and there's yeah. an acrobat in it. Uh, you know, a woman. No, there's a woman who's a gymnast. Remember that? Well, there's Grace Jones who does like martial arts. No, I thought there was a woman. You're thinking of Octopussy. No, I never think of Octopussy. I do. Um, I do. I'm thinking of it right now. I'm so sorry I'm laughing so hard. That's okay. It's just... Look, I understand what what Roger Moore is. No, what I'm saying is he... I think in his last James Bond, he actually like drapes a coat over a sleeping woman's 
shoulder, you know, while she's passed out because he's become completely asexual <laughs> towards the end. He does bake a quiche in this movie. Oh. <laughs> what, in View to a Kill? Yeah. Also, it's got the worst, they, they felt like they needed to say <laughs> a view to a kill in the movie, yeah. which you don't. No. You don't have to say a view to a kill, no. but they, they're in a Zeppelin and they're riding towards their target and- Someone says, wow, quite a view. Yeah, Grace Jones. Yeah, Grace Jones says, quite a view. And then um, Christopher Walken says, yeah, a view to a kill. <laughs> he like looks into the lens when he says it. But I remember anyone saying, it sure is Thunderball <laughs> in Thunderball. So what the fuck? I don't understand. Why did they feel the need to do that? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm We've got you. to get this title in. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone ever say Quantum of Solace and Quantum of no, Solace? No, they never do. No, because you can't. Because it doesn't the, mean the anything. bad, like the, the new specters called Quantum. I know, but yeah. anyway, look anyway, for that moment. Well, I'm not interested in James Bond, so let's yeah, wrap this up. I'm you, sick of this. You hate it. All right. Well, this was, I think, a two-hour segment. <laughs> yeah, know. it was so long. Oh, my God. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.